Welcome to Southside Community Church. Enjoy our Sunday morning message. So if you're visiting with us today, we're, we're really glad that you're here. This is a family service, so it's a little bit different than normal. Um, usually we have kids program and uh, nursery back there, but I like having everybody in here every now and again, even though it's a little bit more noisy. This is probably more what it was like when it's kind of the early church was preaching. They didn't have kids ministry areas and stuff, so everyone was together. People were loud, falling asleep, falling out of windows, all sorts of things were happening. So... We're glad you're here, and I'm okay with a little white noise if you guys are, so don't worry about it. I'm not distracted. It's not awkward. It's okay when kids start talking and babies start crying. We are totally fine with that. It's also a little bit more snug than normal, and we're okay with that too. Uh, we'll make as much room as we have to, and there's room up here to sit on the floor if we, if we need to. Um, if it starts to get a little bit insane with your kid, we do have kids' rooms in the back, we have a nursery uh, with a nursing area. You can just go find one of those and your kids can play in the room while you listen to the, the sermon uh, piped through the, the ceiling, uh, what do you call it, speakers, yes. So yeah, basically do whatever you want, I don't care. Um, just don't, leave. Just don't uh, you can leave if you want. I, I hope that you experience uh, here, I hope what you find is a community of people who are friendly, who are glad that you're here, who are helpful, and who are on this journey with you. Because this journey of following Jesus is a spectrum. And wherever you land on this spectrum, whether you're just curious, you don't really buy it, you don't really believe it yet, you're not really sure about it, um, or you've been following the Lord for decades and you're still trying to figure out what it looks like to be a fruitful disciple of Jesus, or anywhere in between, we're, we're tickled pink that you're here. We're really glad that you're here. And we want you to feel welcome to be on whatever journey you're on with us because there are no experts in this room and we will never pretend to be experts. We're all in the same boat trying to figure it out together. What does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? And I also want to acknowledge, I know that some of the things that I'm going to talk about today might sound a little bit wild. Um, there's a funny scene in the Bible in the book of Acts 17. Paul, who's this missionary uh, for Jesus, is in a city called Athens. You know, we've all heard of the city Athens. And Athens, even during Paul's time, was kind of a hotbed for philosophers. This is where... Uh, Aristotle had founded his university there several hundred years before. Plato uh, had uh, also an academy there. And while Paul was hanging out in the city, he starts talking about Jesus. He began to reason with people about Jesus. And it wasn't con confrontational. It wasn't obnoxious. He was just presenting what he knew to be true about Jesus. And some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers started listening in on this. And here's the funny thing. Here's what, here's what they said. They're, they're kind of maybe starting to debate a little with him. Some of them are kind of in the background. And they, this is a quote from the Bible. This is what they said about Paul. What does this babbler wish to say? That's genuinely what they said. That's Acts 17, 18. But the answer is even better. Because one of them says he seems to be a preacher. 
And that's sometimes exactly how I feel when I'm talking to people who are on different parts of this journey. I know it sounds like crazy talk sometimes, but we, we genuinely believe that this happened, that this is real, and what he was babbling about, what Paul was talking about, was Jesus and the resurrection, which is exactly what I'm going to be talking about today. So if you were here last week and I passed out a a document that has reading that you can follow along this week, and, and you read different events that happened every day of the week. Each day was a different thing in Jesus' last week before the, the crucifixion. And what you probably noticed was this growing intensity of opposition to Jesus and his mission. And at the same time, a growing, calm acceptance of Jesus, of the mission that he came to achieve. And you'll notice he never retaliated. He never defended himself. Like the closest he probably came was talking to Pilate towards the end. But even that conversation he was having with Pilate felt more like, I think you need to figure out who you think that I am. So we pick up the story after Jesus had been betrayed and crucified one of his followers, who was probably fairly wealthy, uh, asked if he could have the body of Jesus and put it in one of his, his private tombs that he owned. And the tomb was sealed. Roman guards were placed at the tomb, probably temple guards. And Sabbath is over. It's Sunday morning. It's the third day. And the women, these women who followed Jesus were going to the tomb. They would bring spices because the bodies, you know, the Mediterranean, hot, humid, um, even though it was a little cooler in April in that day, they would have put spices on the body so that you don't smell the decomposition. So that's what women were doing. And we're going to pick up the story there in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. You can turn there in your Bible if you want. It's uh, in the bulletin if you want to follow along in the bulletin. Or you can just listen. That's totally good too. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now, this must have been a, an interesting development for them. It's not something that they were expecting. Now, the reason the stone was rolled away was not so that Jesus could get out. He, he could have gone through the tomb. It was so that people could look in and see that the tomb is, is empty. But when they went in... They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. That's our cue. Two men in dazzling apparel. That means that they were angels. The Bible talks about in other places in the Bible, or other places where angels show up, that they're in clothes that are whiter than you could even possibly bleach, like whiter than anything you're going to see on earth. That's your cue that these are angels. They probably didn't need that as a cue, but it helps us. And as they were frightened, which is what you are when you see an angel, you don't actually want to see an angel. <laughs> you would be terrified. As they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while you still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. 
This feels a little humorous to me because it, can, it shows us how slow or thick-headed or dense that humans can be sometimes, all of us. And part of growing as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus, is simply remembering stuff that he said, remembering stuff that he did. And that's one of the primary goals of a pastor is to simply remind people what God says is true in Scripture. And then to create gentle invitations for you to rearrange your life you know, accordingly. So back to the women at the empty tomb. The angels are attempting to help them understand what's going on. So they say, he's not here, he's risen. And I imagine at that point, the angels are seeing that it's still not sinking in. They're still perplexed. They're still confused. So the angels continue, come on, you got this. Think back to when you were in Galilee. What did Jesus say? And he's reminding them back to a point that we see in Luke chapter 9, verse 22, where Jesus says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So the angels are kind of like giving the women these cues and just watching it sink in. Like, come on, you got this. It's the third day. The grave is empty. You're talking to angels. There she is. As it dawns on them and they realize Jesus told us this would happen. And I think it might have. And verse 8, And they remembered His words and returning from the tomb... They told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. There's some really good stuff in here. The eleven disciples who were closer to Jesus than anybody else, there was twelve, one of them's out of the picture now. There's eleven, and they're all in another room that's locked. They're behind locked doors. They're hiding because they're afraid of some of the Jewish leaders that might take them away and punish or crucify them too because they were followers of Jesus. So they're all hiding. And it's, they're, you know, I don't want to be hard, too hard on them that because they're disoriented, they're probably, they are scared, they're not sure what's going on, they're not sure what the plan was, they're not sure what they're going to do now that Jesus is dead, so they're scared. But the women are the brave and courageous ones. They're like, I'm going to the tomb. We're going to finish this job. Very brave. And even more interesting is the first people to preach an Easter sermon were these women. And the congregation was the disciples. So you'd think it'd be a no-brainer. You know, some audiences are more difficult than others when it comes to teaching things about Jesus. But you would think the disciples would be a receptive audience. Because they had spent three years with Jesus, intimately learning about the kingdom, they themselves had performed miracles that God empowered them to do. They heard from Jesus himself that he was going to die and be raised back to life. And they didn't believe them. 
Listen to what it says in verse 10. Now it was Mary Magdalene. By the way, she was the first person that the resurrected Jesus showed himself to. And it's a really tender, really cool moment in the other gospel. I'll let you find that yourself. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. This had to be super frustrating for these women. You're just at the grave. You saw the tomb was empty. You had a conversation with angels. You're running back to tell the disciples this paradigm-shattering news, and they don't believe you. I think this is where I would be tempted to start get a, you know, getting a little sarcastic. Like if I was one of those women, I'd be like, this is like the darkest moment of all of our lives. The person we thought was Messiah was killed. The person we thought that was king was killed. Our friend, our brother, like one of our closest companion, our closest companion was was killed. We thought it'd be funny to play a joke. We thought it'd be cute to tell, you know, it's a late April Fool's. We thought it'd be cute to tell, yeah, he's back, and then just kidding. Like, they didn't believe them. It must have been super frustrating for the women. And again, the dense nature of people, because Jesus had told the disciples exactly what was going to happen. And you know when you're talking with someone, and you know that what you say is not sinking in. Like maybe you're giving instructions to someone on how, you're, how to do something, and they're looking at you with that glazed look and nodding their head like, yeah, I know how to do that. I'm, I'm good. I got it. I understand. And you're just looking at them like, you do not. You have no idea what you're doing. You don't understand. I know you're saying you do, but you're not hearing me. You need to listen. And, and they just don't hear it. That's what Jesus must have felt like all the time with the disciples. He said it as clearly as he could say it. The elders, listen up guys, the elders and the chief priests and the scribes will have me killed. And then on the third day I'll be raised back to life. Oh, that's awesome, Lord. That sounds really good. Who's going to sit with you in your kingdom? Who's going to be like on your right and left? Or like what, what role do we get to play? You're not hearing. You're not hearing. The women tell the disciples the news. They don't believe it. But Luke tells us that it did get the attention of one of them. Who do, you think it, who do you think it was? Verse 12. Yeah, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb. You knew it was going to be him. Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. In the Gospel of John, we see that John went with him. John was probably a teenager. He might have been 13. He might have been, well, actually probably younger than that, 12 or 11. There's reasons why I believe that. But it, John says that him and Peter actually, it was like a foot race. And John makes it a point to say that he won. He beat Peter to the, to the tomb. Peter goes to the tomb, he looks inside, he sees the grave cloth, which would have been confusing because if someone would have stole the body, they would have kept him in the grave cloth. In another gospel, it says that the, the, the thing that was, the cloth that was covering his face was neatly folded. There's some significance to that. 
And Peter went home marveling. Now, Peter would never be the same after that moment because when it dawned on him that Jesus was actually resurrected from the dead, it would shift the weight of everything in his life. But he didn't get there right away. The word for marveling actually might work better and many versions of the Bible use the word wondering. And in one commentary it says that Peter's wondering was not a lack of faith, but struggling in an attempt to understand what could have happened. We get the feeling that he's trying to piece it together, but he just can't make sense of it. It's almost like he's thinking to himself, I'm open to the possibility that it happened. I'm not there yet. I'm open to it. And I need a little time alone to figure this out. Because I'm not sure if Peter knew quite what he believed at that moment. And what that does is give us an allowance to be curious to say, if you're here and you're investigating Christianity, I'm not sure exactly what I believe yet. And that's a great place to be. And you have this beautiful grace and freedom to be in that place and to not rush things, but to consider the possibility of what would it be like if that actually happened, if Jesus really was raised from the dead. The story of Easter in this passage is told as a group of women going to care for the deceased body of Jesus only to have their plans interrupted by the resurrection of Jesus. And then said women excitingly going back to tell the disciples only to have the disciples not believe them. And finally, Peter running to the grave with questions only to leave with more questions but a deep sense of wonder. And I wonder which of these three scenarios you identify with most. You know, this is a a family service, and it's Easter. So I'm going to get you out of here pretty quick here. This is going to be a short sermon. I'm about to wrap it up. But I want you to think about which one of those three scenarios you might find yourself in today. You know, you're going about your life. You're going about your business. And your well-intentioned plans have been changed by a man who was resurrected 2,000 years ago. And what you were planning on doing now feels a little bit irrelevant and unnecessary, like putting spices on a resurrected body. Or maybe you're in the second scenario, you've come to believe in this resurrection, you're sharing it with your friends and everyone you talk to, and they think you're nuts. <laughs> they think you're, you're off your rocker, you're making it up. Or finally, maybe you're like Peter and you're suddenly confronted with the idea, the possibility, as slight as it may be to you, that this actually happened. And if it did happen, it has to change everything. Everything. And there's really only one thing to do in each of these scenarios, and that's turn your eyes to Jesus and to keep your heart open to the possibilities. And that's the application Wherever you are, whichever of those scenarios you're in, and maybe there's others, I'm sure there are, turn your eyes to Jesus and keep open to the possibilities. And that's all we're asking of you today. And we're here every Sunday. You're welcome back anytime. I'm going to have the Melissa and Kara come up front.
And we're going to end with a chorus to a very familiar song. And even if you're, you haven't been in church for a while or if you're not churched, um, you probably have heard this song. It's Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Now we're going to end with this song, actually. So nobody's going to come up here and give any announcements or anything after we're done. We're going to sing the chorus a couple times. And then it'll be over. And I want to invite you guys to stick around. We do our meet and greet time, not during the service, because that always gets awkward. Um, we do it after the service so that you can actually take some time to get to know somebody. And you know, everybody gets nervous about that stuff, so don't worry. Just introduce yourself to somebody and ask them a few questions and get to know them. We're pretty uh, relational animals around here, and we're pretty friendly most of the time. So even if you're visiting, um, I hope you feel loved and welcomed. And if you are a visitor and you want to be on, I do a weekly pastor's note, uh, and you can fill out a welcome card at our welcome desk in the, in the back and just set it on the desk and someone will pick that up and uh, I'll make sure you get on that, that weekly email. But I, what I want you to do is I want you to view this song, this chorus, as a prayer. And I want you to view it as a way that you're praying for the people around you, that you're praying for the other people in this room, wherever on their journey they may be. And so I'm going to ask you to stand now and close your eyes and bow your heads. And we're going to have just a brief moment with a little bit of music playing behind me. And I'm going to ask you to, when we start singing, I'm going to ask you to sing and pray. I'm really glad you guys are here today. It's good seeing all of you. And uh, we'll be back here again next Sunday. Thank you for listening. Check out our website at southsideworcester.com.